Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Petrella. And I'm Andy Heiss. With us today is visual artist Chris Dahlquist. Chris's photography can be seen in a variety of settings, including galleries, art fairs, large-scale public installations, and in hundreds of individual corporate and civic collections. In addition to her studio practice, Chris is passionate about helping artists and creative entrepreneurs build sustainable careers. Through curriculum development, workshops, lectures, and mentoring, she's worked with hundreds of artists throughout the U.S., As a result, Chris consults with municipalities, arts organizations, and businesses to ensure that the individual artist is at the center of art support programs and policies. Chris, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to spend my morning with you. This is part two of our interview with Chris Dahlquist. In your workshops and lectures, you often begin with the concept of a portfolio career. Uh, Can you give us a brief overview of what a portfolio career is and why it's relevant to artists? Yeah, I think I think the truth is, yeah, I'll tell you what a portfolio career is. Um, But I think most artists are familiar with portfolio careers. They're just not familiar with that title. And basically, a portfolio career means you're making money through a variety of channels. And unfortunately, a lot of artists think that they must be doing something wrong if they're living with a portfolio career, and that they will have arrived when they're only making their income from their artwork. And what we teach is that if they've got a variety of income channels, if they've got a portfolio of income, if you will, that they're doing it just right. Um, Not only from a financial standpoint, because they've given themselves stability. If one thing goes away, they've got other legs under their stool. But also, from a creative standpoint, if you're completely dependent on your artwork or one particular type of artwork, it's creatively stifling. Um, When I started teaching, um, I thought I had lived with that myth that I will have arrived and I was making 100% of my income, well, actually our household income, doing festivals. And when I became familiar with this concept of portfolio career, I thought, oh my goodness, I've put myself in a really, really frightening spot. Um, And so actively started adding revenue streams or income streams to what I was doing to um, give myself uh, both financial um, independence, but also creative flexibility. Because when my household income yeah. was dependent on that one style of artwork, boy, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could take the risk to deviate from it, right? Because our mortgage was uh, bound to it, right? So, yeah. 
But, but the irony is it's probably more risky because all your eggs in that one are in that one basket. 100%, yes. Enti- yeah. It's it's entirely risky. I mean, from all kinds of, from a market standpoint or a, you know, I, br- I broke my arm in 2019. What, what happened, you know, what happens then? What happens to a musician that has an injury or uh, what happens yeah. when there's a global pandemic? You know, I mean, all of, all of these yeah. things, I had other uh, legs under my stool when, I mean, that's one of the things that distinguished I think artists that made it through the pandemic well and those that didn't was how many other revenue streams they could lean on during the time that their if their normal revenue stream or their um, artwork was compromised because of the pandemic. Yeah, and, and so if, so if an artist does have you know multiple revenue streams, is living a portfolio career that sort of thing. What what are some things they should take into consideration when? balancing or thinking about the balance of those different revenue streams? Well, I think one of the things um, is thinking about how they work together synergistically so that oftentimes when you're working towards one, you're planting seeds for the other. And so you're kind of touching a lot of the different revenue streams at the same time. So I can give you an example. So when I'm at a festival, I'm primarily selling my studio work. I'm primarily selling work that is to hang on the walls. But as I am doing more speaking, I'm doing more consulting, I'm doing more public art, I'm also looking for those opportunities and having those conversations in my booth at the same time. So um, there's this kind of passive or maybe in some cases more active marketing going on towards the other streams while you're while you're there. You know, uh, Another example is a musician in town, a guitarist who... Um, he had lots of people asking about his instrument that he played, and he had actually imported it from Mexico. And so he created a business with his luthier in Mexico importing guitars. And so as he's playing, he's also kind of passively marketing his uh, his guitar business, um, these sorts of yeah. things, right? So I sure. think it's really thinking about how they combine together and how you can touch them all and in being and how they make sense for you where you are in the season of your life one of the things i'm really interested in is how do artists sustain their career over over the entirety of their life and so the needs that you have the needs that your practice have are going to change as you you know, have children at home or other responsibilities come and go. And so I think balancing it doesn't necessarily look like balancing it on a daily basis or weekly basis. It could, like, Mm. we're talking about the long stretch here, right? Yeah. 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 I think, and I think there's something else to that synergistic thing, right? If you're constantly, like, shifting mental modes between different, Thing, you know, in, in terms of creative outlets, right? You need sort of some deep time to, to uh, deep work time to achieve those creative visions, right? And if you're constantly switching between different thinking modes, it could be, could be difficult to sustain that. Right. And so I, I think looking at what kind of time arc you're considering. So for instance, one year I might have a large public art project and that takes, I mean, that is the focus that year. 
Um, you know, or I did a consulting project with a city that lasted a couple years. Well, during that time, I wasn't doing the public art. And so when I talk about the balance of this career, it's not necessarily all happening simultaneously that I'm hopping from one to another. That doesn't work for my brain at all. But all of these activities inform the other activities, yeah. and you approach them through a different lens when you're when you're through. Yeah, and that goes back. That also goes back to why this type of career is is good for the creative side, right? Because you, then you're bringing different things to your creative practice from these other experiences. Um, it all informs one another, and so from a not only from a business side, but again from the creative side, I think it's imperative to have multiple things. Yeah. So, Chris, how long have you been a business consultant and strategist, and what are some of the questions artists ask in your sessions? Well, I started working with artists in 2009 in Kansas City, and and that's primarily through the program of Artist Inc., and it, but then it has expanded out from there. Um, because I had worked with so many artists, hundreds of sat across the table from hundreds of artists, uh, at some point, I felt like I had the stories not only of my own practice, but the artists that I was working with that I could bring to start affecting the landscape um, around us. And so gradually that working with individual artists came to be more working, still working with individual artists, but working with municipalities and arts organizations. Um, and that work kind of, like I was saying in the portfolio career, um, that that work kind of waxes and wanes according to what I've got going on on the artistic side. Um, and then working with artists, we start from a standpoint of how do you how do you define success and where do you want to go? And then we let those answers inform the rest of the conversation. Um, again, it's not a monolith, right? There's not one path right. for artists to go down. And so it's really about for me, it's about helping the artist determine where they want to go and then us working together to find the path to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And, and so just to you go a little bit deeper in this question, I'm wondering, are there common themes? Are there common concerns that they have or are there opportunities that they see but they don't know how to achieve them? So are there any common threads in that regard? Mm-hmm. Well, I think... I think a little, uh, I think my experience as a young person um, just seeing one path uh, into photography is fairly common, um, is folks having a fair, fairly narrow idea of what their discipline looks like, or, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of examples. So I think um, kind of what, what, can I, what can I do with this is kind of a common starting point. Um, and then we do, and this is partly leaning into my skill sets, is that I, I work a lot with financial literacy and a lot on the financial, on the financial side um, with artists. Um, I tend to do a lot of this work um, with teams of artists leading it, and we all have our different skill sets. And uh, I grew up um, a daughter of a CPA, and so... Um, that is kind of uh, baked into my DNA, I suppose. So I tend to help a lot on the on the financial side. But it, um, I think, the other common um, theme is um, 
is this idea of um, being a, a fake or a fraud or not knowing what they're doing and understanding that, you know, everyone's figuring that out as, as they go along. Um, we end up dispelling a lot of myths about what it means to be an artist is, an, is another really common theme. I mean, whether it's about working a portfolio career or all the different things that you can do or that, or that you can't do, all the things that you think you might be giving up if you're going to live the life of the artist, kind of dispelling those myths about you can, you can have, you know, you can have a family and you can't have a house and you can't, I mean, there's a lot of breaking down the myths. Yeah. Um, along the same lines, uh, you have a, you have a line, sort of a tagline. I don't know if maybe it's your personal mission statement or something like that. Uh, in your email signature that I absolutely love, it's called, and it, it, it says empowering artists to live the lives they choose. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's how I've always viewed entrepreneurship and business education for artists is, is, is in terms of empowerment. Um, and what do you, so what is it that you find that through your work with artists that empowers them how what is what is it that gives them that feeling of empowerment i think in one respect um i appreciate this like uh business and entrepreneurship empowers them i think also um acknowledging that if you don't want to make your art into a business it also does not mean that you're not an artist or that your art is any less valid, right? And that there's all of these different paths to be an artist. Um, and so I think that that's kind of the place we start. Again, it's kind of like dispelling the myth of what does it mean to be a, quote, real artist? Or what does it mean to be a professional artist? And so I think some of, some of that is the most empowering thing that we do is like, no, you get to craft your life the way you want to as an artist. And there's not one path. One path is entrepreneurship potentially, but there's lots and lots of different paths. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of why that became so important to me to talk about that in terms of the, um, the life that they choose is because oftentimes the, the workshops that I'm doing, this sort of stuff, is um, just seen as the uh, the economic benefit, or maybe the economic benefit to um, to the city or the, to the community or whatever. It's like no, there's benefit. Like any path you decide as an artist, you are of benefit to your community, and we need your voice out there, right? And so I think that's at the root of the living the life that they choose and that it makes them no less an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I see that all the time in my students. They, you know, will be, I don't know, doing projects in class or whatever. And they're like, well, my idea isn't, um, the idea I want to, I want to pursue isn't really about, uh, isn't really about my art. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's okay. You know, they think that they, they think that that's what this class is all about, right? Commercializing the art that they make. Right. And, Maybe, right? Maybe right. that could Maybe. be one part of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Or uh, on the other hand, if it's, if it's an artist who's, um, who doesn't want to have to think about marketability or commercialization, then, okay, how, what's the path look like for you to be able to support that so that that still lives in the world? 
right? Maybe it means that um, you want to take a day job that has potentially nothing to do with your artwork so that you can leave the office at the end of the day and not have to think about um, how your art yeah. intersects with with the market. Okay, we need right. that. Yeah. We need that voice in the world. We need that voice in yeah. the world too. Like, I don't want to live in a world that the only art that we have in the world is that <laughs> that can find common market support and exactly. commercialization, right? And so, what are all of those different things? And I think over the arc of a lot of artists' careers, they will have different aspects of their career. Maybe this part is very marketable and this isn't. And so maybe this part of your, their career, they're looking more at grant support or they're functioning a little bit more like a nonprofit. And in this part of their career or with this even income funnel, maybe it is more commercialized, right? Um, there's not a... It's just not as clear cut. And I think that that's one of the biggest differences between teaching art, uh, entrepreneurship to artists in traditional entrepreneurial training is that, um, is that an artist's career is going to look like different things at different points. Sometimes it's going to look more like a nonprofit model, sometimes a commercial model. Um, so how they move in and out of those different arenas, I think, is important. Yeah. Well, there's also intermediaries in the arts economy. There are grant writers. There are agents. Right. If, you, if you're not comfortable selling or if you don't see the market, there are always people who, who can. Yeah. So I had a really good time uh, and enjoyed going through your website and seeing everything and reading all that you have, your videos and whatnot. And you, you said something uh, or had something written down that I really enjoyed, and it was... Um, Artists need to develop a strong ecosystem. I think that's what it was. So how can artists and patrons help develop a strong ecosystem, arts ecosystem? So I think it's about um, kind of watering the garden um, around you. So you were just talking about there's people in the ecosystem that have all of these different jobs. I think kind of wherever you are in the city or in the community, finding where that intersects with art and how you can bring your skill set to it. So, for instance, right now I'm working quite a lot in um, the real estate arena and looking at how artists can be equity stakeholders. And so, you know, I'm engaging um, bankers, right, where, you know, their garden is in the world of finance. How, how can they intersect with the art community? So I think it's not necessarily like looking to the art with a capital A, but I think just kind of whatever your area of expertise is, where does that, is there an intersection with the art community? And can you, how can you prop it up um, with your unique skill set and uh, your yeah. connections? And I think part of that's about understanding that the arts economy doesn't sit, or the arts ecosystem do, it doesn't, it, it doesn't sit on its own. It intersects with ev every other aspect yeah. of our economy, right? And so, not in a vacuum, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, I think when when you and I spoke about this briefly, um, you know, it's building the ecosystem is not just about building capacity in artists, right? It's also mm -hmm. about building opportunities for artists in a community, right? Yeah, yeah. When I when I look at when I've worked with different 
organizations, different municipalities. I look at it um, in terms, uh, kind of a three-legged stool. It's the capacity, uh, so building artist capacity, whether that's in uh, business skills or whether that's in their artwork or whatever. Um, It's building opportunities. And then I think in terms of uh, a larger ecosystem or a municipality, I think the third leg of the stool is then policy um, to protect what's been built. Um, And I think we can all name some cities where you know, the, there was lots of talent there, and then there was lots of opportunities, but nothing was done to protect it. And so now there's kind of an exodus of the artist um, because there hasn't been anything to protect what's been built. Um, or you can build capacity in a community, but the opportunities don't keep pace with the, and then the artists leave the community seeking other opportunities in other places. So I think these three legs of the stool have to be developed, um, maybe not concurrently, but pre- pretty close, or or it's not going to uh, build the larger ecosystem. Yeah. Well, Chris, we've reached the part of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. Um, so the first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an arts entrepreneur in your area, in your discipline? Well, I think it goes back to kind of our er earlier um, talk about um, just start. I mean, it's got to start with making um, a lot of. I end up working with a lot of people that want to become an uh, arts entrepreneur or entrepreneur in general, but have not developed the artwork yet. And so what I'm really about is like develop your voice as an art as an artist and then let's figure out how that fits in the larger ecosystem or how that fits in the marketplace um, instead, of the, instead of the other way around. So I think it, sure. I think it starts with develop your voice, right? Um, continue to make your work, continue to develop the work. And then there's lots of people that can help you find a path to where you want to go once you've established your artwork. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? Well, I, I think um, I think we're seeing it happen quite a bit, and part of it's the decentralization of art so that it's not just sitting within a couple of large institutions. I think empowering individual artists helps to decentralize that and make it more accessible across communities. So, I mean, I'm still about like the artist has to be at the center of this conversation. And I I think it's at the center of accessibility as well um, to this decentralization by empowering as many people as we can and empowering people outside of the arts community to to think about where they intersect with the arts community, that it doesn't sit in this vacuum, that they that they can be a participant. If they're a banker or they're whatever, they can still be a participant in this. And what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice anyone's ever given you? Well, those are probably two, um, two different things. Uh, but okay. um, one of the... I guess one of the best pieces of advice, I, I guess it 
fits both on the artistic side and the entrepreneurial side is it's kind of I was developing a new body of work. I was exploring this kind of new vision and it wasn't kind of it wasn't going where I wanted it to go and it wasn't being received as I wanted it to be received. And a really good artist friend of mine from Florida named John Whipple said, you know, maybe this isn't the thing. This exact thing isn't the thing, but don't step backwards into your comfortable spot. Move through this and keep keep moving forward, right? Don't don't step backwards because just because it's comfortable or you know that yeah. it works. And so I think maybe on both sides that's the, you know, like don't uh, you know, just step in, continue to step into and through the discomfort or the learning about this new body of work or developing this new body of work or this new skill set or whatever. And so I guess on the entrepreneurial side or the business side, that's true as well. Like it's, it's acquired skills that you keep stepping through the uncomfortable place and it will, you will find the path or find a more comfortable spot. Chris, thanks so much for, for being with us. We really uh, enjoy speaking with you. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Mm-hmm.